Blake Overlean, Pastor Blake Overlean, is visiting us today from Baraboo, and um, he's going to be sharing a message with us today. So, Blake, why don't you come on up? Good morning. It's good to be with you today. Yes, I, uh, I, I, I lost my title this past July. Nothing bad. I just retired. And uh, so I have to say this, that Dinah and I, this is my lovely wife who Katie takes after, um, we retired and we are in exile right now. In the denomination that we served, we're encouraged by the conference to be able to stay away for a good year before we go back to the church that we served. And about maybe two weeks ago, I said, well, honey, what do you think of the churches that we've worshipped at? And she came out, this pastor's wife came on out and said, I don't like any of them. <laughs> but, you know, we compare. As a pastor, I watch the pastor. As a praise and worship leader, she always watches the praise and worship leaders. And it seems like none of them really muster up, you know, so to speak. So we are in exile. And I have a question for all of you. Does everybody know everybody here? Look around. If you don't know somebody, would you just raise your hand? Just, I mean, I'm not going to, oh, you don't, oh my gosh. How long have you, can I ask you, how long are you, who's new here for the very first time? Okay, well, a few of you. Um, all right. So... Those of you that have been here and don't know everybody, then I encourage you to go to that person, introduce yourself. Now, many of us have a hard time doing I don't have a hard time with this. I just love it. And so many of us have a hard time going up to somebody that we don't know. And I like to go on up to that person and say, you know, I don't believe I've ever met you. My name's Blake, and what's your name? Simple as, simple as that. So let me encourage you, and that's one of the things, as a retired pastor and his wife, when we go somewhere, we have had people just walk by us and look right at us, not invite us at all, not welcome us at all, including the pastor. And so therefore... We're never going back to that church. You catch my drift? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not your pastor, so I can say that sort of thing. <laughs> so, so I encourage you. I encourage you. Who's new here for the very first time? Raise your hands again. Oh, all right, there you go. Now you know who you're going to go after, and everybody's going to... I'm so sorry. Everybody's going <laughs> to... And Emily, Emily, you're a liar. Because there's not one church out there that's easy to serve. <laughs> and Holly, that's all I have to say. God bless you. Oh, my. So, Noah gives me a call. I think it was on Thursday. And usually in the pastorate, you have at least uh, five to six days to prepare for something. And uh, I said, absolutely. 
I'll throw my sermon in my contemporary wedding services. And uh, if anybody here wants to get married, we can do that right now. How's that? Uh, so today, I threw out about three different sermons I'm kind of putting together in about three-day time. And I, I thought, this is the one I'd like to share with you. But before I begin, I, I kind of wish that my grandkids wouldn't have left. Because quite honestly, we have two grandkids at home right now with their mommy and daddy, and they're heading back to Appleton today. So we would have had, uh, we would have had nine of our 11 grandkids here, but better yet, we have 7-Eleven here today. So that's pretty cool. But when you wake up in the morning, sometimes when you have your grandkids there with you, all weekend long, sometimes you wake up in the morning with strange things happening in your head. And, uh, and it's not how your wife or your husband looks in the morning, and it's not your kids, and it's not their grandparents, but it can be songs. And this song has been in my head for the last 48, 72 hours. I'm sorry, you're going to be singing and humming this song for the rest of the day, maybe 24 hours straight. Da -da. We don't talk about Bruno, no. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno, but I love that. Have you seen the Holiday Bowl rendition of that one yet? You have to watch that. I mean, they're the real characters. When I was in seminary, the very first class period of my Greek studies... Lyle, who was a professor of mine, said to the guys, guys, tomorrow's assignment is the entire Greek alphabet. I want you to memorize it. I want you to write it. I want you to be able to say and speak it by tomorrow morning. We all locked ourselves into our room. I don't think any of us went to the cafeteria that night and we're sitting there trying to memorize this thing. I'm sitting at my desk in my room all by myself and I have this Greek book and interlinear Bible here and this and this in front of me and I'm thinking, oh Lord, how is this going to work? So I prayed and I said, how do I do this? And Dinah puts a lot of scripture and things to music. And I thought, ah, I'll put it to music. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, dun, dun. No, that's not going to work. I need something simple. All of a sudden, I need your help here, okay? All you have to do is just go. That's all you have to do. Everybody practice for me. Ready? Together? Very good. So I prayed about this, and this is what happened. The Lord put up here, put it to music, Blake, and put it to, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. I thought to myself, who can be happy and they know it while doing a Greek alphabet? But it goes like this. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon. 
Zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda. Munu, xi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, upsilon, phi, chi, psi, omega. Yeah! So you're probably wondering, okay, what's this sermon about? <laughs> well, I'm going to share with you some things that you probably already know. All right? You probably already know. You may have grown up in the faith, and so you already know these things. And what I'm going to share with you today is for you as well. Because quite honestly, we never want to fail in memorization or getting to know more and more. I can stand here before you 50 years later and sing, just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard. You know it. Green Acres is the place for me. Fine living is a life. You know, that type of thing. We know that. Well, what about Scripture? What about God's Word? It's embarrassing, isn't it? It's kind of embarrassing. When you know these things, but when it comes to God's Word, you're thinking to yourself, oh, where did that passage come from and how does it go? Hmm. Every day of our lives, there are steps that we must take to get to the end of the day, to steps through a process of things to be able to reach and accomplish a goal. So we need to repeat certain things. Forty-some years ago, I could go back into this factory where I once worked as a heat treater, and till today, still today, I could probably go up to that old panel, push a few buttons, pull a few levers, turn a certain wheel, shut this off or turn this on, and I could probably start up the heat treating process. And once that done, I could take it out of the oil, I could put it in the tempering unit, and I could probably, I knew it, I worked at it. For us, we need to work at these things too. We believe that there are certain steps that need to be taken for certain things. And some things, some steps, take forever because we have to do this and this and this and this and this to be able to accomplish our goal. You understand what I'm saying? Oftentimes. So, I have told a few of my men and women in the churches that I've served that this sermon may not be for you today because you already know. But it never hurts to remember. So someday you can just spit it out. Just like Gilligan's Island. Many people are looking for steps of salvation. I don't know about you. I know at the church that we served, 
I could probably say that there were hot people there, cool people there, and lukewarm people there. And there were a number of lukewarm people. And I will say to those people that knew what I was about to say, I'd say, this isn't for you, but it still is because we be, need to be reminded day in and day out. So, many people are looking for steps to salvation. People like the idea of an instruction book. People liked the idea of being orderly in service. People want to know what's going on in life. People liked the idea of an instruction manual with five steps in it, a sermon with three points. If followed, will result in salvation. Why is that? Because we don't want to miss one thing. We want to make sure that we're saved and that we're going to be with Christ someday for all eternity. For example, there's one religion today with five pillars, and they must make sure they cover each one of those pillars in order for them to experience eternity. According to this religion, these five pillars have to be, have to be obeyed for salvation to be granted. Because the idea of a step-by-step -step process to salvation is very appealing. I kind of like to know I've covered all bases. How about you? Many in the Christian community make the mistake of presenting salvation as a result <coughs> of a step-by-step -step process. There are those who have seven sacraments that must be followed. Various Christian denominations will add baptism. They'll add certain praise music. They'll add certain hymns. They'll add public confession. They'll add turning from sin. They'll add speaking in tongues, etc., as steps to salvation. But the Bible only presents one step, one step to be saved. Paul responded in Acts 16, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It seems rather simple. It's not all that complex. It comes from a God who loves us, who really, in a sense, it's a very complicated thing, but a very simple thing. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. It's not all that complicated. Faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior is the only step to salvation. I mean, isn't that the wildest thought? A God that really loves his children, for me, has made it very simple in a sense. Believe. The message of the Bible is abundantly clear. In the beginning, God created 
Adam sinned, therefore sin entered the world, therefore we have all sinned against God, it says in Romans 3.23, because of our sin we deserve to be eternally separated from God because God is holy and just, can't be in the presence of sin, because of his love for us, for God so loved the world, God took on human form then in Jesus and died in our place, taking the punishment that we deserve. And then also God promises forgiveness of sin. He promises then eternal life in heaven to all who receive by grace through Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. And then Jesus comes along and says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How? How much simpler can you get? And then our heart and our minds begin to battle. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. Salvation is not about certain steps that we must follow to earn it. Yes, I do believe Christians need to be baptized. I do believe that believers should publicly confess Christ as their Savior and their Lord. Yes, I do believe that believers ought to, should, should turn from sin and then John comes along, I think it's John that comes along and says, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Praise God. Yes, Christians should commit their lives to obeying God. It seems like the decision is much easier than the response and the life. It's a challenge. However, these are not steps. All of this is not steps for salvation, certain hymns, certain songs, baptism, all of this. They're not steps to salvation. They are results of salvation. Salvation enters the heart before any of these take place. Therefore, we can never earn salvation. Because of our sin, we cannot in any sense earn it. We could follow a 1,000-step process, and it would not be enough. Because that is why Jesus had to die in our place We've failed this process, see. If there's steps, we've failed it because we're sinful. And we need somebody then like Christ to come in who is absolutely capable of paying our sin debt to God or cleansing ourselves from sin. Only God could accomplish this. Only God could accomplish it. And so he did. And God himself completed the steps way beforehand. 
He completed all the steps. From the beginning of time to the very end, he completed all the steps for us, thereby offering salvation to anyone now who would believe. One step. I'm so glad. I'm Norwegian. I'm so glad there's only one step. And that, folks, my human nature interferes with. And it's a constant battle. Because I'm wondering, is it really enough? Is it really enough? And yes, it is. Salvation and forgiveness of sins is not about following steps. It's about receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and recognizing that he has done all the work for us. God requires one step, and that is receiving Jesus Christ as Savior from sin, fully trusting in him alone as the way of salvation. Of course, you already know this. That, along with Gilligan's Island and other songs that you've focused on all your life. This is what distinguishes the Christian faith from all other religions. Each of which has a list of steps that must be followed in order for salvation to be received. How sad that is. Because if you miss just one step, I'm sorry. And then one is never certain if they're covered, all of them or not. What if I failed in just one of them? I've missed out. Hmm. Blake Overling has missed plenty of them. Praise God for one. The Christian faith recognizes that God has already completed the steps and now simply calls us on the repentant heart to receive Jesus in faith. God had already. <laughs> what a compassionate, loving Father in heaven that God had already completed the steps beforehand. He has done everything for us. The scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, but I'm going to focus on just a few here. In verse 2, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and, and your many sins. Verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Verse 8, yes, the old things have passed. And God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Verse 9 Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, 
So none of us can boast about it. It was all me. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And it is to do the good things. <coughs> I've often used the example of a rowboat. One oar is marked faith. The other is marked works or good things. Good things are good things. But without faith, where does it get you? But with faith, it's a thing that James would talk about as well, the brother of Jesus later on. But with two of them, they work together. The good works. So, here we have it. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. You already know this. It doesn't hurt to be reminded. So that this somehow can take precedent of my mind and my heart so I don't wake up in the morning singing, we don't talk about Bruno. I would love to be able to wake up in the morning, some morning, and quoting a scripture or a scripture in my head. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Jesus was God come to us. The Bible says that he was the expressed image the exact representation of God in every way except bodily form, facial, but in every characteristic. And this perfect, sinless Lamb of God gave his life on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the entire world, which blows my mind, past, present, and future, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now there's one verse I can say because I learned it from a little boy. Now you probably know all of this as I mentioned earlier but you may not understand the legal implications of all of this. You see, since sin entered the world through a guy by the name of Adam, you and I have broken God's law. And we're headed to, in a sense, God's prison. And that prison is a place called hell. Without parole. But Jesus stepped in and he paid the fine for us. When Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. The debt was paid in full. This debt. In other words, if you were in court and somebody pays your fine, the judge could say, this person is guilty. But his fine has been paid by another, so he's out of here. Wouldn't that be something? God can let us live forever. 
and he can dismiss our case and he can commute our death sentence because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And yes, we still may live with the consequences, but our hearts and our minds can be made new and refreshed in Christ Jesus. The judge can be just at the same time and he can let you go because Jesus has paid your debt in full. Now, my wife knows the story I'm going to share. And it always chokes me up. How much time do I have? You said two hours earlier. (laughs) I had a dear, dear friend who on his deathbed, I told him, I said, Mike, I'm going to pay you back. I owed him a debt more than I could pay at that time. And he said, you don't have to pay me back, Blake. I said, I'm going to pay you back. And I realized when he passed away, (coughs) the only way I was going to ever be able to pay him back was to tell his story. Mike Basharian was my dentist in Elroy, Wisconsin for a while. And we moved away from Elroy to Baraboo. And then not long into that year, Mike passed away, died of cancer. But Mike had done so much work on my mouth. Um, I'm embarrassed to go to a dentist nowadays if I don't know who it is. I'm afraid the dentist is going to fall over. I'm sure he's seen worse than mine. But anyway, Mike had put so much work into it that the grand total came to pretty close to $12,000. That was 20 years ago. Well, 24, 25. Until the very first of the month of December, I received an envelope, and it said, Mike Basharian, um, DDS. And I opened it up, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, just before Christmas. And I open up this, and there's two pages to it, and I'm looking at all the itemized everything written right out. I flip it over, sure enough. I flip the second page over, and there on the back side I see, well, at that time, 6000 some dollars. And eventually it got to around twelve. But I see up in a little corner, written in red ink, Merry Christmas, Blake, paid in full. I thought I got to show Dinah this. I went into the back room. And I showed her, and we started crying. And I said, the first thing I want to do is we need to, we need to take he and Jess out somewhere. We need to do something for them for paying this debt. And so I jokingly say, if you know Wisconsin Dells, there's a place up there called Jimmy's Del Bar, which is a very expensive place back then. But it was his and Jess's favorite place to go. And I jokingly say, one meal paid the entire bill off. And I share that story with you folks because God also provided his son to pay our debt. And to be honest with you, without him, our debt 
just continually builds and builds and builds, and it's worse than a Visa card, so to speak. In the book of Jeremiah 19, or 29, verse 13, God tells his children, you will find me when you seek me. When you seek me with all your heart. My first thought is, when I seek him with all my heart, maybe that's when I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to think of him rather than Bruno. Here's a song, if you know it, sing with me. But sing it my way. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. All day long, Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. I know it's kind of hard or high. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. I know you all know that story. I know you all know the gospel. But it's kind of nice to be reminded from time to time. I'm going to ask uh, Noah and Katie or whoever is next. But if you don't, let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. <clears throat> I thank you, Father, that Jesus and believing in him is the only step. Because quite honestly, I would have failed a long time ago. And I was. But I pray that even those of us who know it, along with those of us that really aren't too sure, and along with us who really don't know it, we might, Father, be open to your call upon our lives, that our hearts would be open to you this day, that we would hear your voice, that we wouldn't harden our hearts, And that we might say, Father, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I repent of my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I do. I believe Jesus rose from the dead and lives today at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again and receive those who believe. And I believe it's going to be soon. And I pray then, make it sooner. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. We thank you and invite you into our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.